Good morning. Our scripture for this morning is taken from Matthew, verses 18 through 25. I will be reading from the ESV version. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. This is God's word. We're going to continue a tradition that we started here a few years ago. Every Advent season, we meditate on a series called Songs of Advent, and it's really meditating for a few weeks on themes of faith and hope and love that are found in popular Christmas carols. And so today's, today's focus uh, is, is really inspired by the French carol from the 1700s. And <laughs> It was uh, back then called Les Enjeux dans nos campagnes. My apologies to the French. Um, we know it now in English as Angels We Have Heard on High. And actually, there's a phrase in that carol, Mary, Joseph, lend your aid with us, sing our Savior's birth. Gloria in excelsis Deo. And that phrase, I think, really illustrates how the Bible's people, when you read these accounts of people throughout redemptive history that the scriptures record, you see that people's lives ultimately point us not to them, but to Jesus Christ. Everybody's life in scripture, however wicked they come across or however righteous they come across, ultimately the story's not about them for their sake. Something in their lives is pointing us to God. Something in their lives is pointing us to Jesus, even that blessed couple, Mary and Joseph, especially that couple, Mary and Joseph. And today, my prayer is that we'll be drawn to Jesus by way of Joseph's story, far less common than Mary's story in our culture, in church history. You don't hear Joseph talked about or even sung about as much as Mary. As a matter of fact, Angels We Have Heard on High is among the very few well-known Christmas carols that even mention Joseph by name. Actually, one of the hymnals I was looking at this week, it was the only Christmas carol in the hymnal where you see the word Joseph at all. You may know of some songs, but mostly the carols that you would hear sung at your doorstep, none of them mention Joseph by name. Let's be honest, Joseph played a supporting role in his wife's pregnancy and, frankly, in her legacy. As we see in Matthew chapter 1, verse 16, which is the genealogy recorded 
right before the passage we're looking at today. We see uh, one person after another from Abraham down to David down to Jesus himself. We see this one became the father of that one, and that one became the father of another one. You see that pattern finally break when you get to Joseph. You see in Matthew 1.16, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, and then what does it say? It doesn't say Joseph, the father of Jesus. It says Joseph, the husband of Mary of whom Jesus was born, who is called the Christ. Joseph is the only one in that chain of one father begetting another that doesn't beget anyone. It's kind of like when Simon Birch says to the kid who is proud of himself for getting the role of Joseph in the annual Christmas pageant, he says, it's the Virgin Mary. What does Joseph have to do with anything? So as you and I read the Gospels, Joseph's perspective, kind of like Simon Birch said, Joseph fades quietly into silence in the Gospels. You hear more about Mary, you eventually hear nothing at all about Joseph. But I think that we should pay closer attention to that. Because when people are truly about Jesus, you'll see more of Jesus than them. I think we need to pay more attention than Joseph's story sometimes than Mary's. Because there's a sense in which when you become a Christian and you grow in following Jesus, people will hear you and see you less and see him and hear him more. As John the Baptist once said when he was asked, who is the Christ? He said, I must decrease and he must increase. That really is what it means to be a Christian. You decrease Jesus increases. Joseph let God be God in his life, and he unglamorously did all that he was told to do. Joseph's response to an unplanned situation was a beautiful balance, as far as is humanly possible, a beautiful balance of grace and truth, a beautiful balance of following the law and also being merciful at the same time. We see in our passage today in Matthew's Gospel, and really Matthew's Gospel is, is the only place that we get any detailed account of Joseph. In verses 18 and 19, we see this. When his mother, meaning Jesus, when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, that means intimacy, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Now, when it says that they were betrothed, that's not like when we get engaged in our society. Uh, to be betrothed was a big deal. It means, it means that it was professionally arranged for their childhood, like every, every village had a sort of yenta, right? So, so this is an arrangement that was official, made official when they were much younger. And at the appropriate time, they would enter into a one-year binding contract. That was the betrothal itself. A one-year binding contract where the couple still lived apart with their families before they came together in marriage. And only, one, only two things could break. This was a binding agreement, this betrothal. And only two things could break it. Um, death, somebody dies, or, or basically a legal divorce, like a pre-marriage divorce. 
And actually, it was during this one-year betrothal period that it turns out Mary is pregnant. But Joseph doesn't know how. At this point, the angel hadn't visited him here. He's thinking about what to do, but he doesn't really know how it is that Mary could be pregnant. His assumption, of course, is that she is guilty of unfaithfulness or impropriety. And if you read the book of Deuteronomy and even Leviticus, according to Old Testament law, uh, this this means the death penalty. Now, of course, the Jews are under Roman law at this point, and so they didn't have the option of capital punishment. It would, it would have meant at Joseph and Mary's day uh, immediate divorce. You break the contract, there's not going to be any marriage. So we see as a result of what he discovers uh, that Joseph begins to try and figure out what to do about the situation, and Matthew tells us that Joseph was a just man. And the word just here, scholars believe, in the context basically means that he was careful to obey the law of Moses. Joseph was trying to figure out how to do the right thing according to God's word. According to the law of Moses, Joseph had a right to publicly say something and clear his name and bring charges against Mary. Not only did he have a right to do that, according to the law of Moses, he was obligated to do that and to end the, uh, to, to end the engagement and the wedding plans. But we also discover not only was he just, he was merciful. Mary, uh, uh, Matthew says that he resolved to divorce her quietly. He didn't have to do that. He could have... He could have drawn attention to this publicly and cleared his own name and distanced himself from her. Uh, But it says that he resolved, he had made up his mind to divorce Mary in a quiet manner. So he's he's pursuing justice in a merciful way. Actually, the New International Version of this passage does a really good job in summarizing what Matthew is trying to communicate here. It says this, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. So Joseph was a man of integrity and mercy. And Joseph's response to this unplanned situation was a response of taking the harder road of obedience. He doesn't do the easy thing. He doesn't do the safe thing for himself. Obedience for Joseph here meant doing the hard thing and taking the harder road. If you look down at verses 24 and 25, after Joseph was visited by the angel in his dream, he wakes up and he goes into action. And Matthew tells us when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife meaning he went through with it, he married her. But he knew her not, again, that's intimacy, he knew her not until she had given birth to a son and he called his name Jesus. He obeyed God, he obeyed the will of God by going through with a scandalously awkward-looking wedding in which physical intimacy would have to wait long until after the honeymoon was over, He obeyed the will of God in actually calling the baby, who was not his biological child, the name that God had given him, Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, the Messiah who is to come to save his people from their sins. And the naming thing is a really big deal, scholars say. 
It's not just, oh yeah, and they named the baby Jesus. No, it says Joseph named him Jesus. That's important, right? That, that means that Joseph is essentially adopting Jesus legally. This is Joseph formally saying, I'm going to take this son. He's going to be my own. I'm going to provide for this kid. I'm bringing him into my household. I'm giving him my name. This is Matthew's way of showing the original readers of this gospel that Jesus was legitimately, had a legitimate claim to the throne of David. This, this, is, this is Matthew's way of showing us that even though Jesus was not biologically Joseph's son, he was legally Joseph's son by status. That's why it's so important for Matthew to say to first century listeners from a Jewish background who would have wondered, how is it that Mary's son by the Holy Spirit, they tell us, is somehow the Messiah? Well, because Joseph legally adopted him and gave him the status of an heir of David. You see, being born of Mary, conceived by the Holy Spirit, means that Jesus is the Son of God. But being named by Joseph means that Jesus is also rightfully the Son of Man, the Son of David, the Messiah. And do you see now that Jesus was legally the Messiah because Joseph didn't do the easy thing? He obeyed God. And he accepted a situation that in any place, at any time, would bring a stigma, an unwanted stigma to him and his wife and Jesus as he grew up. He did the right thing, and he played second fiddle to his soon-to-be famous wife. And he provided for Mary and for the baby, and as Jesus grew, that boy, he provided for them, and he protected them. When you think about what they had to endure as refugees early in Jesus' life, they had to escape Judea, and they had to escape Nazareth, and they, had to, they ended up in Egypt for a while, and then they came back uh, to Judea and discovered it still wasn't safe, and then they moved up to Nazareth, and ultimately Jesus was, was raised in Nazareth until adulthood. When you think about all that happened, Joseph provided for this baby. He provided for this family. And then Joseph just quietly fades into the background of the Gospels, and except for a brief mention of him, not by name, in Luke's gospel, when Jesus was about 12 years old, he's heard of no more. What's remarkable about Joseph is what's remarkable about Mary. Unremarkable qualities of faith and obedience. They let God be God. And that's why we don't sing about Joseph much at all. Mary a little bit. They were all about the child, and so should we be. Faith and obedience, taking the hard road, and making the most difficult of circumstances about him and not us. I think the takeaway for us today is that if you're a Christian, you should aim to let Jesus be Jesus in your life. Let Jesus be Jesus. Don't try and mess that up. Don't try and insert your own will or make things look better from your perspective or work better for you. Let Jesus be Jesus. Let him, not you, grow in your story. All that painstaking jostling of the family's life 
dealing with the reputation that they would have, dealing with all the travel, the census, the dangerous flight to Egypt, protecting their child, protecting themselves from Herod, coming back, realizing years later it still wasn't safe in Judea, having to go up into Nazareth, all of that jostling around. It was all to make room in their lives for something and someone unplanned. But it was to make room in the world for something and someone that God had planned all along. And this is why faith and obedience for the Christian is so unremarkably critical. Because you don't know what God is doing in in seemingly disorienting circumstances. There's a child in this room who's still young enough to not know that I'm talking about them right now. Uh, But when we learned that this child was going to be born, uh, quite disoriented, I said to Becky, uh, I don't know how this happened. Did the Holy Spirit come upon you too? I was not ready for this. And uh, and we had to adjust to a life-changing invasion of our circumstances, as joyful as it turned out to be and still is. But even just in things like like a pandemic, right? A, a hard-to-accept invasion of our circumstances. Think about the life of Joseph. Think about quietly, faithfully, doing what God asks you to do, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of what it looks like. A man whose quiet obedience made room for the Savior of the world. A couple whose quiet obedience allowed God's salvation plan to invade human history through this humble couple. So you and I do the same. They didn't make it about the unwanted circumstance. They didn't make it about themselves. He didn't make it about his rights and his reputation. He made it about the baby, and that's what you and I should do. You and I, in all that we are and in all that we do, are in the business of making Jesus popular. In general, we're not supposed to try and make ourselves popular. That's typically not a good human trait for a Christian, right? But it is good for a Christian to be trying to make Jesus popular in all you do and say. Let Jesus be Jesus. Make room in your story for his prominence, not your own. And would you consider the urgency of this? This is a real need in our society where we live in a let me be me type of a culture. Look, if you're, not, if you're listening in or if you're here today and you're not a Christian, I want you to consider how important, how much the world needs people like Joseph. I'm not trying to put Joseph on a pedestal. But think about it. Look at our culture. Look at media. Look at the movies. Look at politics. Just spend a half an hour on Facebook or Instagram. It's all about individuals getting the focus, individuals taking the credit, individuals building their own legacy. And the Bible essentially calls this false worship. It's, it's, we're putting ourselves on the pedestal, right? We've kicked God off the pedestal. We've made it about us. We've made our suffering about us. We've made our rights about us. We've made our story, our hopes and dreams about us instead of him. And this false worship really is the chief sin from which all sin comes. It's the very sin in which the angel told Joseph, 
that this child would come to save us from. But what if people like Joseph worked quietly, patiently to serve the needs at hand, to serve the needs of the people around them, to serve the needs to, 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 of those who have been entrusted under their care? What if people like Joseph served without complaining, without drawing attention to, their, to themselves, without trying to be remarkable or novel or new or unique? What if more and more people acted that way? You see, the Bible shows us, and if you look at human history, we see that the more people's lives are invaded by this Jesus and allow themselves and their lives to be invaded by him, the more beneficial they become to the people around them. The more that we see Jesus' influence in them. And really, that's what Christmas is about. Advent season teaches us that God came to us with the very opposite of a let me be me mentality. When he had every right to say, I'm going to be me and you're all going to like it. I'm going to promote myself and I have every right to. But the scriptures tell us and human history shows us and Matthew's gospel reveals to us that the Son of God as a human being took no rightful glory took no rightful honor, did not wield his rightful authority, although he was the Messiah, in his humble birth, in his humble life, and in his humiliating death. He didn't take what belonged to him. The Apostle Paul, in his letter to the church in Philippi, put it this way. Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. He didn't chase after it. He didn't demand it. He didn't flaunt it. Paul went on to say, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. If you're not a Christian, the Christmas message is basically this, that the Son of God chose to come to us as a Son of Man. That's why people worship Jesus. That's why people call themselves by his name. Because they have received access into God's family through a human being who chose to give himself up for the sake of others, regardless of the circumstances, to faithfully serve God the Father, no matter what it cost him. And it began with that humble birth in those scandalously awkward circumstances in which these two young people, Joseph and Mary, faithfully obeyed God and did all that they were called to do, regardless of what it looked like. And although Mary is often put too much on a pedestal and even worshipped, uh, Joseph really never is. So I thought Joseph was a great example of what it looks like to do the right thing and not be thanked for it or sung about. Simple faith and obedience, like what we see in Joseph, really does change the world. And it's that way because Jesus made it so. As George Bailey in the Christmas movie, It's a Wonderful Life, discovered when he was finally at his wit's end that a life of unremarkable self-denial 
is the true legacy. Not recognition, not self-expression, not success, not wealth. As Diane Langberg, Langberg recently said, take the common and the ordinary and make it precious as Jesus did. Be ordinary, be gentle. Little things bring the life of Christ to his sheep. Every little thing for Christ brings his glory and aroma to people. Whether there's an audience or not, whether there are results or not. So let Jesus be Jesus. As you begin to sing these carols and read these famous accounts from the Gospels, let Jesus be Jesus in whatever you're enduring right now. And in our church, let Jesus be Jesus. When they think of Deep Run Church, let them think about Jesus, not us and how we make things work. When people think of you, let them think of Jesus, not how wise you are, or how good-looking or smart you are, not even of how, how much you struggle. Even let your struggles and weaknesses allow people to see Jesus more than you. Let Jesus be Jesus. Let him, not you, grow larger in your story. Because that's who people need most. He is who people need most. He's who you need the most. And when people are truly about him, you'll notice and they will notice him more than you. Let's pray. Father, as our culture is winding up to celebrate lights and joy and cheer and eggnog and good old-fashioned warm Americana Christmas style, Help us to go deeper, to enjoy all those things, of course, but, but, but to go deeper, go, go beyond what our culture sees and hears and sings about, uh, to the essence of this humble family in real danger, in a difficult situation, in an embarrassing situation. Help us to see Jesus in that. Help us, therefore, also to see Jesus in what we struggle with now. Help us to be his voice, his presence, his influence, his salt, his light, his aroma in our suffering, in our success, in our strengths, Father, even there. Let people see Jesus more than us. I pray that in our story as a church and in our story as individuals, as families, as friends, let people hear about Jesus more than us. In his name, amen.